There are only two more days left in 2021, but there's still so much to review and look back on. We're in that strange time of year between the past and the future, when the present seems like it is time to relax. But there is no relaxing on Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that seeks to bring you as much information as I can about what's happening in local government, with a pinch of whatever else seems to fit. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, Virginia sets a one-day record for new COVID cases. A lawsuit filed by former city manager Teron Richardson moves forward. The Virginia Supreme Court approves new legislative and congressional maps for the Commonwealth. Republicans continue to file bills that seek to undo measures passed under a Democratic General Assembly. And Albemarle supervisors learn about the biggest increase in property assessments in county history. In today's first Patreon-fueled shoutouts, one person wants you to know... Today is a great day to spread good cheer, reach out to an old friend, compliment a stranger, or pause for a moment of gratitude to savor a delight. The second comes from a more recent supporter who wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist. Whether that be The Daily Progress, Seville Weekly, Charlottesville Tomorrow, NBC 29, CBS 19, WINA, The Crozet Gazette, or some other place I haven't mentioned, the community depends on a network of people writing about the community. Go learn about this place today thanks to our robust news ecosystem. Virginia has set a one-day record for new COVID-19 cases, with 12,112 reported today by the Virginia Department of Health. The previous record was 9,914 reported in mid-January. The percent positivity has increased to 17.4%. The Blue Ridge Health District reported 371 new cases, which is also a one-day record. Charlottesville City Council and other parties have been served with a lawsuit by former city manager Teron Richardson. Richardson filed suit in the Western District of Virginia in mid-November, alleging breach of contract and violation of his First Amendment rights. A summons was issued to City Council on Tuesday, as well as City Attorney Lisa Robertson and former City Attorney John Blair. The parties have 21 days to respond. Virginia's new congressional and legislative districts are now in place for the next year, effective immediately. The state Supreme Court has approved new districts for the House of Delegates, State Senate, and the 11 members of the House of Representatives in Congress. These were drawn by two special masters after a bipartisan commission failed to reach consensus in October. Those maps were amended following public comments earlier this month. Here's a part of the memo from Sean Trend and Bernard Groffman. Redistricting is a complex task, one that requires the balancing of multiple competing factors. Unfortunately, it simply was not possible to incorporate every single request while remaining within the bounds of Virginia and federal law. Albemarle and Charlottesville will remain in the 5th Congressional District, though Albemarle's border with Green and Orange counties will now be the district's northern edge. The 5th will continue to cover points south to North Carolina, including the cities of Lynchburg and Danville, as well as the town of Farmville in Prince Edward County. Fluvanna, Louisa, and Nelson are also within the 5th. 
An earlier map drawn by the Special Masters had split Albemarle into two. Here's some more from their memo. The existing congressional map splits 14 counties 16 times. The existing Senate of Virginia map splits 46 counties 78 times. The existing House of Delegates map splits 60 counties 138 times. By comparison, the submitted congressional map splits 10 counties a total of 11 times. The 5th District formally extended up into northern Virginia, but the new districts tend not to split counties. Green and Orange counties are entirely within a redrawn 7th District, along with Culpeper, Madison, Spotsylvania, and Stafford counties, as well as the city of Fredericksburg. Fauquier, Loudoun, and Rappahannock counties are now in the 10th District, as well as portions of Prince William County. In the Virginia Senate, Albemarle and Charlottesville are now within the new 11th District, as well as Amherst and Nelson counties, as well as a portion of western Louisa County. Fluvanna County and the rest of Louisa are in the 10th. Greene County is in the new 28th District, along with Madison, Culpeper, and Orange counties. In the Virginia House of Representatives, the city of Charlottesville is now in the 54th House District, as well as some of the urban ring of Albemarle. The rest of Albemarle is now entirely within the 55th House District, as well as portions of eastern Nelson County. The rest of Nelson is in the 53rd, as well as all of Amherst County and the northern half of Bedford County. Under the previous maps, parts of Albemarle County were split between four different districts. The General Assembly begins in less than two weeks, and the slow trickle of pre-filed legislation is picking up into more of a steady stream. Here are some of the bills filed within the last week. Delegate Buddy Fowler, a Republican from Glen Allen, has submitted a bill to increase the age an infant can be surrendered to a hospital or emergency medical services agency from 14 days to 30 days. Fowler has another bill that would exempt members of the military from being prosecuted for paramilitary activities, unless there is malicious intent. Another bill from Fowler would allow localities flexibility in paying school board members. Currently, the law defines the salary for each locality. Fowler also submitted a bill allowing public auctions to satisfy liens to be advertised online, whereas currently these must be printed in a newspaper of record. Delegate Wendell Walker filed a bill allowing adults to become free of any medical mandate. Walker has also filed a bill repealing a prohibition on firearms in places of worship. Walker also submitted legislation requiring photo identification in order to vote. Incoming Delegate Tim Anderson, a Republican from Virginia Beach, filed a bill that would exempt the first offense for possession of child pornography from a new program that allows for reduced sentences through credits. Anderson also filed a bill that would revoke the ability for localities to adopt ordinances to ban firearms from public property. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time now for the third Patreon-fueled shout-out. Algorithms know how to put songs and artists together based on genre or beats per minute, but only people can make connections that engage your mind and warm your heart. The music on WTJU 91.1 FM is chosen by dozens and dozens of volunteer hosts, music lovers like you who live right here in the Charlottesville area. Listener donations keep WTJU alive and thriving. 
in this era of algorithm-driven everything go against the grain. Support Freeform Community Radio on WTJU. Consider a donation at wtju.net slash donate. One segment today from a couple of weeks ago, the Board of Supervisors meeting from December 15th. As the calendar year continues, localities in Virginia are just about to enter the third quarter of the fiscal year. Earlier this month, the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors got an update on how the county's finances look as the start of budget season approaches. First, they got an update on the county's assessments for 2022, which were made available a month earlier than usual. Peter Lynch is Albemarle's assessor. Because of the mail issues that we've had, uh, I wanted to mail the notices earlier, so we have a target date of November, I'm sorry, January 14th to mail the notices this year. Lynch said an unreliable mail system resulted in the land use revalidation process being difficult this year. There are 4,052 parcels in fiscal year 22 that will receive a lower tax rate due to some agriculture or open space use. Sales made after Lynch's December 15th presentation are still factored into the official assessment, which by law is made on January 1st. Any information up to that date that happens in the market can be used to to contest the assessment. Lynch said this year has seen the highest number of sales in Albemarle so far, with 2,311 sales recorded at the date of his presentation. He said there would be at least another hundred before the end of the year. As of December 15th, Albemarle is on track to have the highest average increase in property assessments ever at 8.32%. Within the county, the Scottsville Magisterial District saw the largest increase with 11.4%, and the lowest is in the Rivanna District with 7.17%. The assessment of properties with apartments increased 11.8%, whereas commercial properties are flat. Hotel properties declined 22.9% in 2021, but recovered by just under a percentage point this year. Shopping centers also went down a lot. They have recovered some of what they lost. Offices declined for a second year in a row with a 4.15% average decrease in worth. You know, people stopped going to their offices, but they but they kept paying the rent. Um, at this point, you know, those leases are turning over for lower amounts, uh, lower rents, and, and we're starting to see some more effect on those office buildings. Assessments are directly tied to next year's budget and the amount of revenue that will be generated through the property tax. After Lynch's presentation, supervisors had a work session on the five-year financial plan. Albemarle had $13.2 million in leftover funds from fiscal year 21. Staff is recommending using that money this way. A $4.1 million transfer to the Capital Improvements Plan. $5 million to Albemarle's Economic Development Fund to help attract new businesses through the Project Enable plan. $3.1 million for the Albemarle Housing Fund, bringing the balance to about $5 million. And $1 million for workforce stabilization. Supervisor Diantha McKeel said she wanted some of the capital funding to go toward building more urban parks. Supervisor Donna Price agreed but also said she would like to see the county invest in the Rivanna Trail. Um, I'd really love to see um, the trail uh, around um, Charlottesville, Albemarle, that Rivanna River Trail. 
um, because that provides relatively easy access to almost everyone in our urban ring, and that really would improve the quality of life. Based on the surplus and the assessments, staff is not anticipating any increase in the real estate property tax for the next year. Staff asked supervisors if they had any interest in increasing transient occupancy or the meals tax, and if they wanted to explore tax relief programs. Part of the interest from staff in raising the other taxes is due to a trend towards property taxes making up a larger percentage of the budget. Nelsie Birch is the county's chief financial officer. It's going from 60% back in 07, um, coming closer to the 70% um, in fiscal 22, fiscal 23. We need to try and diversify um, as best we can away from real estate taxes. Planning staff will incorporate a plastic bag tax into the fiscal year 23 budget. The ordinance would have to go through the Board of Supervisors. Albemarle can increase the meals tax rate to 6% if it likes and can increase the transient occupancy tax if it chooses to do so. One supervisor said she wanted the county's rates to be the same as the city's. Here's Supervisor Diantha McKeel. I think anything that we do to match Charlottesville is appropriate. Um, if the sales tax in Charlottesville is something, then it should be the same in Albemarle. Supervisors took no formal actions, and the budget will come back before the Board of Supervisors in February. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, catching up with some things I've been meaning to get to and advancing a few other stories forward. Thank you to everybody who is listening and who is also reading. But of course, they won't hear that, will they, if I'm saying it here and they're not reading. But you know that. You know that this end of the show part gets a little bit loose. I do want to go ahead and just uh, see if you wanted to support the program financially. There are two ways you can do that. There's actually many ways, but two big ones are if you could uh, subscribe through Substack, either at the $5 a month fee or the $50 a year or the $200 a year, the company Ting will match that amount, which is really fantastic because it does help me continue to keep doing this. Another thing, if you want to basically follow along as I try to build this business through Town Crier Predictions, uh, subscribing through Patreon is another way to do that. Patreon is sort of a general interest, everything I'm doing. And of course, I'm doing quite a lot, it appears. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. Do also check out infoseville.com. I am very slowly building up an archive over there. Uh, Let me know what you think. Stay safe out there. Uh, The Omicron thing is different, and we are probably going to continue to see some higher cases. What that means, I'm not entirely sure yet, but I guess the most important thing is to say, stay safe, stay distant from other folks if you can, and really, seriously, be careful out there. Um, It's always good advice, but especially today. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in the near future with another installment. When is it going to come out? You'll have to keep listening to find out. Thanks again. Thanks again.